0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about RotoBaller.com. Win big in 2022 with RotoBaller.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use RotoBaller's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 13 after a week off because it's so much fun and a little delay because they've given more fun. We are back and ready to get things going for you. Going to talk about the top 100 ADP review it. That's what our plan was last week. So it should be a lot of fun to see what went right, what went wrong so far in draft season as we are at the halfway point of the season. We'll talk weekly matchups and all kinds of other fun stuff as usual. You can find myself on Twitter at BD Intric, and my co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BH Hugh, Ryan Bloomfield. How we doing, man?
2: Doing excellent, bubba. Yeah, a little bit of a different different flavor this week—a Friday matinee for us. But that—that's all right. Anytime we can kind of hang and talk baseball on the way to the weekend is a good thing. Exciting show, I think. Exciting topic yeah. tonight—the or today. I just keep saying tonight. Um, yeah. Top one hundred, and just kind of looking back, like at draft season. I know we're only halfway through the year, uh, or at least, or maybe a game or two past, But a good time to kind of check back and. See what went right, what went wrong. I do know that we 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 were kind of usurped with the top 100 by the FTN Fantasy yeah. Podcast with with Vlad Sedler and Maddie Davis. I have not listened to that yet. I know they did kind of like a top five rounds or something uh, recap. Yeah. So I didn't want to didn't want to bias myself before the episode. I'll check them out
1: this weekend sometime. But uh,
2: but yeah, kind of funny. We great minds think alike. Had the same kind of idea at the, at the midway yeah. point.
1: If uh, if life didn't get in the way, we would have knocked this one out and been first to the table and been no worries, but here we are. Excuses, We're talk- excuses. It's yep, all good. Always, always. The top 100 will be lots of fun, but as usual, we'll kick things off with recent news, and we actually have more this week than usual, unfortunately. But we'll try to fly through it here and see what we can find. We start off with UC Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi, going to the IL with a neck injury, apparently. I think it's because he's getting shelled, but um, we'll see how that goes. I was funny because on Tuesday's show with... With Toby, I was like, I, I bet I took the two steps. I was looking forward to it. He got a great matchup against Oakland, gets shelled. I'm like, maybe he just gets hurt and misses his next start. Well, here we are. He's getting the uh, the IL stint. What's your thoughts on this one? I think it's more of a, let's just give him a breather.
2: Could be. I had Kikuchi on TGFBI for that reason, too, uh, for this week. And I guess getting shelled by Oakland. I guess he gave up like four runs, but that probably is... Technically I think he walked like
1: five, so. though, and hit two. He couldn't throw a strike. It was horrible.
2: Yeah. Um, so maybe a little bit of like a Carlos Carrasco type. You're getting shelled. We're going to take you out and I will you. Um, either way, like the performance hasn't been great. And like... It's funny we talked about the you know, everyone kind of talked about the Toronto rotation heading into the season, and that is a beleaguered rotation right now. Uh, Jose Barrios is healthy, but like obviously not not pitching that great. You've got Kikuchi out, you've got Hinchin Ryu out, you've got you've got Gossman kind of out. I mean, it's an ankle thing; it's not a uh, not an arm thing. There's not really, and Pearson hasn't hasn't pitched. So like the saviors are obviously Alec Manoa and then like cross Stripling right now holding it together there's not really i mean there's not really a replacement that i'm looking at even in like AL at uh, it's just the, that they have been hit so hard that the that the rotation depth is just not there and it's kind of interesting like the Jays just from a real baseball standpoint are falling back i mean they're fourth in the AL east i think they're still three or four games above 500 but lost to the Mariners last night thursday night and i think the Mariners are like three games out of the wild card so if the Blue Jays do not improve and get that rotation back healthy. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting um, summer to see how they how they patch this together. They also have a few underperforming hitters. We'll probably talk
1: about later
2: on too in the top one hundred. So
1: most definitely, we will talk about them. Yeah, the, the rotation's a joke. <laughs> That's the best way I could say it. So I'm I'm curious to see what they do because if they're still in it, you'd imagine they've put so much and in, they've invested so much already. They're gonna have to make a move. You think, but um, like Frankie Montas would have been a good. one. Well, let's talk Frankie Montas shoulder injury and he's basically day-to-day he's going to miss at least one start i think he might find the il here pretty soon it's like why do the a's want to rush him back they need him healthy to trade him this makes no sense um there's really no replacement in oakland unless i'm oblivious to the situation <laughs> so uh it's, it's a bad deal because montas was actually pitching pretty darn good and we were just waiting for the day he got traded to a real team but that just is not going to happen right now ryan
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's karma as opposed to unfortunate for the A's for what they did to that team this year. And their kind of one major trade piece that they have in Montas is I-L'd as we approach the deadline. So, um, yeah, not much of a takeaway like this. their top starting pitcher in the minors. I have already been burned by this season. That's Zach Logue. Just did not do much for me at all. I, I think I think Oakland's just gonna try and piece this together, play out the string with pitchers that you really don't outside of like a, a really great matchup at home in that park, you don't really wanna be surfing in these uh in these waters. It's it's ugly. It's been ugly all season. I don't think it's gonna get much better. Uh, no, for A's no. fans.
1: No, Irvin had some hope at one time. Caprillion had some hope at one time, and it's uh, it's bleak. Deep, deep leagues is where that hope goes. So, uh, yeah, just stay away from Oakland for the most part. It's a rough go. I will say, side note, somehow in a Yahoo, Ramon Laureano is like 25% rostered, so you guys got to fix that because he's actually playing good. But uh just want to throw that out there. That one, I saw that last night, and that shocked me. I'm like, I know Yahoo's different, but 25%, guys, come on. like He's a little better than that. Um. Next up, Michael Lorenz into the IL with a shoulder injury. That's never good, of course, and he's had a rough go of it. The take home here is bring back Reed Detmers. It's either good for stacking against in DFS or rostering in leagues. I'm not going to roster him. So, what's your thoughts on Reed Detmers?
2: It's interesting. Yeah, like we've talked about Detmers a couple of times on the pod. Obviously, that after the no hitter, but then getting sent back down, and I kind of kind of crapped on his no hitter because it was like a two strikeout performance, but. Reed is his last start at AAA, Salt Lake, six innings, three hits, one walk, 14 strikeouts, and, and 90 pitches. Like It's easy to say that you've been burned by him and you're not going to pick him up. You just immediately kind of shoo him away. I believe Demers is pitching this afternoon or tonight, uh, Friday night. And so we'll see what he looks like. If he pitches well in that outing, I'm, I might actually be interested in Fab this weekend just because... I don't have any kind of inside information or whatever, but w- when someone turns that around, even though it's a triple a start like that, did he go back to the minors work on something that we don't know about? And and now something starting to click. Um, I am actually pretty interested in at least watching Detmers this evening and seeing what happens, because I think I do think that we need to oftentimes in fantasy have short memories for some of these guys that have burned us in the past. And, um, and detmers could be that guy i mean he's got the prospect pedigree he's got the stuff like he's mm-hmm. he's on people's radars or was on people's radars for a reason and it just hasn't clicked for him but uh anytime you kind of this is kind of when you jump especially on pitchers that can kind of change themselves real quick if it's a mechanical tweak new pitch velocity whatever um definitely going to be watching his start friday night and 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 closely and and maybe even bidding on the guy in fab
1: yeah part of me wishes he wasn't picking to like monday because he could go get him for like a buck or two and speculate because if mm-hmm. he deals tonight we know how that story is going to go uh because the one thing you mentioned is there were a lot of very smart people that were high on him coming into the season so the pedigrees there and we saw signs of it especially in the spring training which i know is not the nlb all is triple a but he's showing he can throw strikes he's showing he can dominate hitters mm-hmm. the a's are a triple a team so he's gonna get to play them a few times like there there's options out there for him to take advantage of situations so it's definitely something to uh to monitor uh, on Friday night, as Ryan said. This one stings. Evan Longoria, he's like, everybody's like, he's an old guy. But he's got some power. Hits lefties well. Goes to the IL with a left oblique, oblique injury, which is never good, especially for the power situation. Um, bright side is, is the world is about to find out who David Vr is. And David Vr had some serious pop in the minors this year and last year. Over 20 home runs already this year in the minors and uh the early numbers aren't great but he's barreling the ball almost 29 of the time so and the max ev not great still a 101 so i'm very optimistic this is and people know that i'm very pessimistic when it comes to the giants i at least like the idea of a vr especially in deeper formats to produce some power for you so what's your thoughts on this longoria situation i think vr will be the guy then again they will might platoon for all i know but i think they're going to give him a little bit of a run here
2: yeah, VR. And, and the interesting thing, too, like I kind of I, I just, you know, no offense to your boys. But from a fantasy standpoint, I get so nervous rostering San Francisco hitters just because of the platoon thing and all that. VR, since he got called up uh, the, in four games this week, they faced two lefties, two righties. And he's played he started all four games. So he played second base. And that's the other thing. He played second base against the lefties and played third base against the righties on Wednesday and Thursday. So it sounds like, or at least so far it looks like, San Francisco is going to at least give him some some everyday run and, and kind of see what happens. So, yeah, you see like the double-A the slash line last year, 275, 374, 507, and then this year A on base over 400, slugging 630. Like, I know, A caveats aside, um, but this is somebody who I, I'm pretty interested in if he continues to play every week. Uh, we'll see how long Longoria is out, but, um, yeah, David VR, it's, it's not always promising to roster someone on your team. Who's number 70, uh, wearing number 70 on the field. It's, it, it does have that kind of late March, spring training vibe, but you can't argue with the recent results. And if the playing times there, um, you know, why not, why not take a shot?
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. This one stings. Tyler Molly was pitching very, very yeah. well this year. Shoulder strain. He's reporting that it's not too serious and expects to be back right after the All-Star break. Anytime I hear a shoulder strain, I don't care how serious it is. It's still concerning. Um, but he was getting us together in a very big way. He, Graham Ashcraft, I think, is the benefactor of this, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, what's your thoughts on this Molly situation?
2: Yeah, I think Ashcraft gets a little, a little longer run, which, you know, may or may not be actually good for your team. Nick Ladolo's back. So like from a timing standpoint, that doesn't hurt the Reds too much. Obviously you you hate to lose Mally because like you said, Bubba, um, you know, terrible start to the season. Mally had a six forty five ERA, five April starts in June he had a two ninety four ERA and a thirty nine to six strikeout to walk rate. Like that's um that is some pretty darn good improvement. And so I just I don't know. It's always with shoulders. It's always easy to get real scared. And and you just kind of hope in this instance that it's more of like a, and we might start to see this a little bit more this coming week, a pre all-star break shutdown, like, you know, take the week off before the all-star break, then you get the all-star break. It kind of goes, it goes, you know, you kind of get two weeks off to rest. The Reds have nothing to play for. That's the optimistic side. That's what I'm hoping for. And then from all accounts, that's what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been burned by trusting you know media reports at face value before uh so it's hard to tell but that that's the hope is that um Ashcraft gets maybe a couple more starts goes back down Ladolo sticks he's got Luis Castillo in there for now we'll see what happens with that trade and then
1: uh Malley comes back after the all-star break ready to go yeah I'm with you I'm hoping it's not too serious. And you, you mentioned that is, we might be seeing this. Like Lorenzen seems kind of serious, but I think this is already the third shoulder strain we've discussed so far to start the show. And now we have a fourth one, Kyle Hendricks to the IL with the shoulder strain. And he's been pitching pretty bad this year, but he seemed to be getting, before his last I was getting better. So it's kind of surprised me. I didn't see him get hurt or anything, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, Anderson Espinosa got the call. He's kind of a long man. doesn't look like the Cubs will need a fifth man, I think, through the All-Star break. So we'll see. But uh, Hendricks, maybe it's a breather to get things right for him as well. We'll see. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, Jake Berger to the IL. This is kind of a bummer because he was hitting really well, kind of cooling down a little bit, platooning with uh, Gavin Sheets. But uh, he's going to the IL. Uh, Any thoughts on Berger? Is he droppable? What's What's your status on him?
2: Probably droppable, just I mean, kind of sucks the timing. Uh, droppable in leagues where you don't have IL, just because the IL stints are piling up. Um, see how long how long he's out for. But Jake Berger was, I mean, picking things up pretty well recently, and now it's uh, now it's kind of funny, like it's gone first circle. Now it's Yohan Moncada who has been playing third base every day. But now I know Moncada was banged up or got hurt uh, later in, in the middle of this week. So who knows, man? It's the White Sox. They have had one of the worst uh, fits of injury luck of any team this season. Uh, they've they've got a pretty pretty brutal lineup that they're that they're rolling out there. Even with Tim Anderson at the top, I know they just got Eloy back, so they're kind of getting back to full strength. But uh, they just can't seem to all be healthy at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's a shame because it seemed like after last season they were so close to like doing it and now they just can't stay healthy right now. And that's the the shame of it all. A couple more to, to discuss quickly here Chris Taylor out with a fractured foot. Uh, my yeah. goodness, that's another one. You know, Ozzy Albies had that one. Now I got Chris Taylor. Um, this, the, the, the Dodgers always had that embarrassment of riches of depth. But I will say this much. When you look at roster resource, and I was actually watching the game, I think it was last night or the night before. And, um, Jake lamb is playing regularly for them he's scheduled at DH and I, was, I literally had to double take go wait Jake lamb is getting playing time in la I thought this team was deep but this is where we're at right now when I lived in
2: Arizona watched the dimebacks uh, every the day and we all we all called him rake lamb we were yes. just we were we were fired up and and rake lamb never never hit against lefties would never play against lefties and there's always free rake lamb and, and I don't know I guess we were a little bit too uh a little bit too optimistic there. So, yeah, like the ghost of Jake Lamb is back. And who knows if, you know, maybe find some magic with the Dodgers. I mean, it's going to be a platoon. It's going to be Jake Lamb and probably like Trace Thompson um, going against lefties with Lamb on the strong side of the platoon. It does, I will say, I have Chris Taylor in a lot of leagues and just kind of the, the, the versatility, the five categories that, you know, modest five category production, but five category nonetheless, that's a huge hit. Uh, Just, you know, at all the positions he would, I think it was second, third and outfield. So like you get all the corners, the middles, um, very helpful throughout the season and fractured foot. It sounds, it sounds bad. Like it sounds at least August. Um, I have a decision to make this weekend. I know in my main event of whether to keep Chris Taylor or not um, will kind of depend on what what the ad options are. But that's going to be I, I think that's a that's a tough decision at this point, just because he's not he's not like a stud, but he's super useful. However, probably out at least a month and there are only, you know, two and a half
1: months to go. Yeah, because I think it was Albies was six to eight weeks when he went out with his. So we got our imagine it's a yeah. pretty, pretty rough go on this sure. one. A couple other quick hitters here. Kurt Casale is going to be out for quite a while with his injury. Joey Bart is back, almost went deep in his first at-bat, but some fan decided to be a dumb fan. Got me all excited and then screwed it up. But uh, I'm, I'm a Bart believer. I don't know if he presses too much in the bigs, but there is legit offensive talent in that profile. He just hasn't been able to figure it out in the bigs. Maybe he never will. Maybe it's just fool's gold, but the dude's good. So are you going back to, the, to Joey Bart well? Dude is
2: good, and I've, I've mentioned this in the past, like the, that, that transition to Cali, I think we've talked pretty in-depth yeah. about this when uh, Gabriel Moreno was getting called up with, with Toronto. It's just like it's such a hard transition for catchers. A lot of times you do not see them really start to produce until year three, year four. Joey Bart is still plenty young enough to turn this around. Uh, we're actually seeing it a little bit accelerated timeline with Adley Rutschman, who has absolutely caught fire. Uh, this season, kind of all in one year with Baltimore. Bart has been in the in the bigs for a couple years, but um, would not be surprised at all if one of these times it just starts to click for Joey Bart. The t- the talent has not gone away. I think it's more of just an adjustment thing. So if you are in two catcher leagues, uh, Joey Bart is I think an, an absolutely fine uh, plug-in for your second catcher spot. I'm not super confident in like one catcher leagues. I, I don't know. I wouldn't call him a top top twelve, top fifteen catcher the rest of the way. Uh, but he was probably cut in your two catcher leagues when he went back down, and so um, I would absolutely take a stab. I, I, even I mean, you're just looking for guys with a pulse, and he's going to play with Casali out. Um, I, I forgot about this. This was like over the weekend, but you're mean. Mercedes is is on the Giants, and
1: dude, I almost started crying the other night because I was bad, happy he was. I, I was happy he was on the Giants, but then like I'm, I think I was recording to the Toby or something. And they're playing the D backs. I got the game on, and Mercedes is hitting third. And I'm like, that's Ouch. not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Like, I like him and all, but he does not to be, be hitting third in the Like <laughs> That was not
2: a good sign. So. No, and it and it the other the other one the other blast from the past name I was watching just because I have Trevor Rodgers everywhere watching a Marlins game and Williams Astadillo was playing yep. second base. I was like, well, Tortuga, yeah,
1: doing his so. thing. So yeah, some rough days. So anyway, in yeah, rough days. Um, it's fun to
2: see those names, and I don't, I don't think your mean. Mercedes is gonna um going to have too much of an impact there. I think Bart's going to get some leash and absolutely interested if I need a second catcher.
0: The best way to learn a language immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language.
1: Most definitely. Brian Bayo, a high, highly touted Boston Red Sox prospect, made his debut this past week, and it happens in a lot of debuts. Guys are all jacked up and everything. Four innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, two strikeouts. Not what you'd expect from Bayo, but there were a couple positive notes for those pitching geniuses out there that broke it down. Um, he's going to be a popular ad, I'd imagine, this week. With all the injuries in Boston, he should get a couple starts at least to see if he can figure it out. So how, how, I know the AL leagues are going to be very aggressive. But how are you? Uh, how are you approaching him in your other leagues?
2: Uh, it's tough. I watched a start. And you could definitely tell. Like I get why there's some prospect shine there. The stuff looked really good. Uh, the ground ball rate in the minors has been fantastic. And yeah, maybe he was just amped up because the command was not there with those uh, with those three walks. So um, it it will keep his price down. I think uh, over Fab. I, I say that, but pitching is such a wasteland as we've talked about many times that people maybe still paying up. I, I, I'm interested. I'm not going to blow the bank. I'm probably in a, in a thousand dollar fab league, like in the, in a main, I probably looking at like $40, which is maybe like, I don't know. Um, twenty percent of my remaining budget, so something like that is is probably something where I'd look at Bayo just because i the the, the talent is there it has to click with the command and you're kind of baking on it was the first art jitter, so we'll see, but I think we'll get some rum.
1: Run. And I really want him to do well because I want that name to stick around because there's so many cool things you could do with Bayo, oh, yeah. and especially when he's pitching in the Bronx and he's beating them with that Bronx accent, getting very angry at him. That, that, like, they, they they need to keep him up. That's all I'm saying. I, I have a big sense of humor, so I'm all about uh, having some fun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, last but not least, Anthony Sclafani out for the rest of the season after having surgery on his foot. Uh, looks like Sammy Long is going to get the first push at it. Don't go crazy, people.
2: Oh, don't go crazy. I think the play here is uh, Jacob Junis. I think yep. Jacob Junis is going to be back. I, well, you probably know better than me, but probably around the All Star break, maybe a start before that. That's the guy you want to take. Yep. Uh, and and even if you have to eat him, you know, eat him a week on your bench or whatever. Yep. If you can go a week early this weekend in Fab and grab Jacob Junis, that's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I almost did it last week and I looked at the the notes and you're supposed to, th- to throw probably two more bullpens and then a rehab starter too. So I was going to wait till this week to start putting my bids in. Maybe I'll regret that. Maybe more people will be doing the same thing. But this is definitely the week to go stash some Jacob Junis because we have this full week um, and then we have the partial all-star game week before we get back to action. So mm-hmm. I'd expect Junis back probably that first full week after that so go get him now while you can before rumbling what'll happen is he'll make a rehab start while it's the all-star break so it's the only thing people will talk about so now he'll be expensive again the following week so make sure you go and take care of business beforehand all right so let's talk i know it's a little different being on a friday so it's not as convenient for some but we can talk some weekend matchups here as we uh, head into the weekend and do our thing and then we'll talk contest in a minute but when you're looking at the the weekend matchups, Ryan, uh, what really stands out to you this week? Because we got three in Great American Small Park. That's always the first place I go to, and then but no Coors Field. So what do you like this week?
2: Yeah, no Coors, no uh, no volume advantages or disadvantages. I'm not sure the weather on Friday, but uh, it looks like everyone's playing three games. Easiest matchups according to HQ's tool is Atlanta. They get three games against the lowly Nationals um and I think they skip uh Josiah Gray they do there are a yes. lot of gray's pitching yes they do yeah Jonathan the other gray's, two gray's pitching, are pitching each yeah. other
1: yeah.
2: Yep. <laughs> tonight but they get yeah so Atlanta gets um against gets 3 at home against the Josiah Grayless Nats Milwaukee is another really good matchup um they're at home against Pittsburgh which um I'm actually That's leaning the... into that series heavily yes, with my you picks are. this weekend so sure yes, A couple fun ones like the Cubs go to L.A. Cubs have the worst matchup rating of any team this season or this weekend, uh, just because at L.A. that pitching staff is is fantastic. So staying away from um, and that's kind of the interesting one is like the teams where they're not, you know, it's not like the Yankees or Astros where you're pretty much playing all those guys. It is more like the Cubs. Are you are you starting or sitting? Christopher Morel, Nico Herner, Schwindel, yeah. Wisdom, like those kinds of guys are more of your, like, depending on your league size, your fringe that you want to look at uh, based on matchups.
1: Yeah, I benched, I set my NFC lineups before the show and I benched all my Cubs, unless I didn't have a choice, yep. basically. So that, that definitely happened. Uh, Pittsburgh has a very close runner-up to the Cubs in tough matchups against Milwaukee this weekend. Um, and you weren't going to probably start a lot of Pittsburgh Pirates anyways, but that's something to monitor as well. I am surprised. I guess it shows massive respect to the Tampa Bay pitching staff. It also helps that Shane McClanahan's pitching on Friday, which he's the second highest rated pitcher according to the Baseball HQ uh, ratings for the day behind Charlie Morton, hint, hint. Um, but Cincinnati's got a tough go there against Tampa Bay. But I'm guessing it's mainly McClanahan-based because they are in Great American Small Park, which we tend to love. Um yeah. Actually, and yeah. that'll
2: be a good series because Cincinnati's throwing out Castillo, Hunter yep. Green, and Ladola. Like that's I was that's very awesome. excited that, to see that. that actually, matchup. might be yeah for might for be a the Cincinnati the matchup. That might be yeah. the that would be one of the highlights. For-
1: for viewing quality, that might be the best matchup of the week. Like, because you look at a lot of them, like Cubs, Dodgers, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Houston, Oakland. You're just like, yeah, I'm good. But uh, yeah, you got some talent there. in That Cincinnati, Tampa Bay series. Like, anytime a client hands on the bump, I'm in. I think Seattle, Toronto is interesting. You talked about Toronto and, and yep. Seattle, like that wild card race. I know it's only July. People think it's crazy, but a, a weekend series. This could make a lot of difference late in the season. So that could be a very fun one as well as teams are trying to find their footing for the wild card. So half,
2: half tempted to drive up I five <laughs> with the, with the toddler this weekend and check one of those. Cause uh, Toronto, they it's, it's kind of, it's not, not a rivalry, but Seattle being so close to can I know opposite coast, but Toronto fans show up in Seattle and it's almost yeah. like more blue Jay fans than, than Mariner fans. Sometimes that's always a really just good atmosphere anyway. And then on top of that, you throw on some, some pretty good pitchers going this weekend, really on, on both sides. Okay. Um, that that'll be a fun
1: one to watch for sure. Yeah, that really surprised me. Rowdy Telez was on the Chris Rose rotation this week. Excellent interview. I, I already knew I liked Rowdy before he's from Northern California. Awesome dude. But uh, he mentioned that, that one of the best games for the road with the Jays was always in Seattle. And it took huh. me a second. It took me a second. Cause I'm like, well, they're closer to like Buffalo, New York area. Like, what are they doing? It's just it, everyone. Cause they want like vacations. They want to go to the West coast. So they, it's like, it's the perfect deal. Then they go like down to California and make a whole trip out of it. And he says it's always like seventy-five percent Jays fans during that series. He said it's crazy. And and
2: very and, uh, and I know it's rowdy to let but very rowdy Jays fans. They they, they like know. to they like to lubricate and 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 check it out. So Maybe. it's a it's a good atmosphere. And yeah, it's funny. Uh funny he mentioned that because I wasn't aware of that interview, um, because it doesn't really get talked about a lot.
1: I that never would have guessed it. it. Yeah. So I, but, it's, it's would, wild. It's pretty cool. I never would have guessed it. I love to hear that, that teams are traveling like that. But uh, pretty cool stuff indeed. All right, let's play some games here. Um, you want to recap how last week went, or you want me to recap it? I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bloodbath, man. You 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 get the honors. Um, I mentioned last week I was playing Jaron Duran because he's leading off and probably gets him about five at-bats a game, which gets him 15 at-bats, and he had racked up eight runs, RBIs, and hits against the Chicago Cubs. Big fan of that one to the one run RBI and hit from Josh (laughs) Smith for Mr. Bloomfield. So we'll call that, you know, it's a shame. It only counts as one point in the win column. That's all I'm going to say. But then we went match play. This is match play. Exactly. Golf terms. This is why I love match play. To be honest, Uh, you can blow up a hole and it doesn't matter. And then on the pitching side of things, and I'm only enjoying this because the week before Ryan kicked my butt. So this is like a victory lapping here. Um, I had Brad Keller pitching four strikeouts. I believe that was against the Oakland Athletics. That's what we were going for there. And then he was very high on Ryan Feltner going up against the Miami Marlins, I believe. Yep. And um, that netted two strikeouts, which is ironic because it was like the week before I thought, okay, I'll play Nick Martinez versus the Rockies. He can probably give me a few strikeouts, and he got one. So it's just such a fun game we play, Ryan. It's so baseball, so predictable.
2: That Feltner two step killed me. It was actually, yeah, it was. Um... Minnesota, so it was at Miami. He had that two-step at Miami was the first, um, the first of those two, and then Feltner went at Minnesota. Two strikeouts in each of those two games, and we have not seen or heard from Ryan (laughs) Feltner since then. So, and then on my, I picked Josh. This is the last time I do this, man. I, I picked Josh Smith just to. Just to troll your Ezekiel Duran <laughs> pick the week before.
1: And maybe that, there's something about the picking the Rangers. Yeah. Maybe it's something about the Rangers third base position we should just avoid at all costs. Yeah. Uh, it's too good. Too good. But now we're even on the season. It's yeah, good three. week for you. Now, yeah, now it's um, on the season we're three we're, we're and three. We're, and we're three. Dead even. So, yeah, three and three. It's a beautiful thing. And I will say this much before we get into our picks, there were actually a lot of options, at least in the hitting department this week and that made it fun pitching still pitching and uh but hitting is a lot better so i'll let you have the floor you said you're leaning heavily into a certain series so i'll let you have the floor on this one
2: yeah i'm gonna hit that milwaukee uh pittsburgh series so on the pitching side i am taking uh jt brew baker who i've actually streamed um, I picked him up in mixed labor, 15 team mix, the last couple of weeks, and he's got me a couple of wins. I think he's two and seven, but the two wins have been very recently and has just, in general, been a lot better pitcher lately. So he's got a 428 ERA on the season, 356 ERA over the last month, over Brew Baker's last five starts. And you go a little bit deeper into those numbers, uh, Brew Baker has a. 21% strikeout rate so like league average but the swinging strike he's getting a ton of whiffs and swinging strike rate is like the metric I look at to see if uh that strikeout rate may increase or decrease and the 13% swinging strike for Brew Baker over his last five starts is, is really good given the alternatives there. So I went Brubaker. I know he's going, I believe it's on the road at Milwaukee. Um, and my, my hitter pick is Milwaukee. We'll, we'll go to your pitcher first, but um, I just like the, the, the fact that he's missing bats. He has been missing bats over the last month um, even more so. And so that usually leads to case. So I'm hoping to get like a handful from, uh, from the Brubaker this weekend and take you down.
1: I hope so, too, because I actually roster him in a lot of leagues, especially 15s. There's upside to Brubaker for sure. So I like that pick. That was my runner-up pick, and I was debating between him. But I I like Milwaukee, so I was kind of timid there. But I went with one that has worked – that you used earlier this year for a victory, and I think I'm using the same mindset you used that week. And I'm going with Herman Marquez at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Marquez coming off nine strikeout performance – In his last go-around at the Dodgers, a couple of hiccups between that, then struck out seven against the Padres. Um, He's basically struck out six or more in three or four of his last six, which I like to see. Struck out seven against the D-backs earlier this year. They're pretty much letting him go five, six innings, no matter how many runs he gives up these days, which is what I really was looking at when I was looking to stream him. It's like they just have no choice right now because all their pitching's bad. It's like, okay, Herman, you're going to let the bullpen rest a little bit today. It's like, go get him, and he's going to get his five or six innings. He's going to hopefully get you at least a K in inning, and we've talked about it before on this streaming. That's all you're looking for is a K in inning, and you're going to be okay. Um, D-back strikeout quite a bit versus righties the past month. It's never comfortable doing – herman marquez even on the road these days but i'm gonna go herman marquez against the arizona diamondbacks and cross my fingers that we can get five to six k's and fewer than four runs so he makes it six innings that's what i'm going for
2: i mean i like it matchup's good i don't i don't think we i don't think we in our rules in our constitution uh can we have a thing where you can pick the same guy twice so not like a one and done thing but uh yeah i took marquez for a lot of those reasons earlier on so uh,
1: yeah we can't do a one and done thing otherwise we'll run out of players (laughs) real quickly
2: (laughs) that's a good point it'll it'll get to september we'll be taking we'll be taking middle i'll be taking griffin jacks middle relievers and uh it it might come to that so we'll leave that out of the i'll I'll strike it from the constitution if i there
1: we go good to hear good to hear all right who do you got for your bat this week who i have rostered in a lot of draft champions leagues right now or draft and hold leagues right now
2: Jace uh, Peterson on the on the bat, so uh, kind of going a little bit against Brew Baker, but Peterson has really been um, hitting pretty well lately and playing every day against at least against right-handed pitchers. Um, over the last week, he's been five for fifteen, which is great. Over the last month, Jace Peterson is twenty for seventy-two, hitting like two eighty with two homers, two steals. I know steals and homers. I guess homers are are a category in our thing here because it's runs, hits, and RBI. Um, but that production has come with pretty, pretty solid power metrics across the board. Good contact. Like I just, I like everything. The one downside with Jace Peterson, at least this weekend, he's probably not going to start on Sunday uh, Milwaukee gets uh, Jose Quintana a lefty on Sunday but the other two ones are Baker, who again I like the strikeout potential but um, there are some other issues there and then Thompson on Saturday so I think Peterson at least for the two games that he's active uh, gonna be pretty productive and then I'll I'll hope for a uh, at-bat or two later in the game on Sunday and we'll, we'll see what what shakes out there
1: yeah I'm going back I'd like double check to make sure I didn't use this person yet this year because I know I've mentioned him on previous shows that he's heating up and that he cooled down real quickly, but he's kind of heating up again. He's homeward and back-to-back games, two or more hits in three of his last five. He's always a streaky guy, but more importantly, Aaron Hicks is facing a actually pretty juicy matchup this week. Um, This weekend, he has uh, the Red Sox, but it's Seabald, Crawford, and then the potentially struggling Nick Pavetta. So he's got three starts for sure, unless they decide to give him an off day for some reason um he's hitting he's hit anywhere between third sixth and seventh so he might have a great spot in the order to drive in runs and score some runs and if you just look at his last few games and again you never know what can happen if we do the runs hits and rbis just over the last three games that's a whopping five um nine that'd be 14 that'd be like some kind of record someone's gonna throw that out there if you can do half of that i'm in so i went with aaron hicks just for the upside of the matchups but there were a lot of good choices this week i thought that we could add some fun with and again for people it's Players rostered in less than fifty percent of NFBC OCs. So we could not just go willy nilly out there, but uh, it, it makes for a fun, fun matchup to look at.
2: Yep, and hopefully something in in weekly league, or sorry in daily leagues and that sort of thing. You guys can pick up your own guys and use our at least use our uh, our our method or our reasoning for picking some of these guys in, in your own leagues. That's, that's kind of the point of it. And we just, I don't know, we we are both
1: competitive and like games. So why not
2: yep. do with that one?
1: exactly it's a little fun to the game and, I, and people have reached out said so they like it like we've had people ask us how the standings are going and stuff so we've had That's requests
2: it. maybe we'll make the board here uh viewable but yeah we've had requests for score updates i don't think during the weekend i, I don't no, think usually uh, like a sunday night we've Monday reached that or. level of uh yeah. of, of attention but yes we've gotten a few you know who won last week kind of a thing so
1: we'll see all right all right the moment of the show everyone looks forward to the bloom boards and this is a fun one you know ryan tweeted it out last week he updated the stats for it for this week but it'll be the top 100 uh review of adps will be hitters and it'll be pitchers try to see like who's been producing who hasn't been you know batting average wise power stolen bases the the big roto stats you're looking for for the most part so before we dig into it ryan if you want to add anything to what you put together on the bloom board
2: Not really. I mean, so the the ADP I'm taking is from the NFBC main event. So this is all um, very late March ADP. So a lot of your kind of, I think Julio Rodriguez, was he top 100? He should have been in March. I'm trying to find him. Um, But like that type of guy would be up there uh, very, you know, because it is a late March thing. So um, ADP is at the end of draft season. And basically just wanted to look at, I mean, there's nothing like, too deep or metrics or sort of anything like that more just like a general view i put the actual bloom board i did put like the your main roto category so for pitchers i put era whip and k's for the starters ERA whip and saves for the relievers that went in the top 100 and just kind of color-coded it so you could quickly see and obviously we're not going to talk about everyone in the top 100 but just like general trends uh, that kind of pop up when you do that you can see where kind of the pockets of green are uh, for the starting pitchers there are definitely some pockets of red for hitters so the hitters I just did average homers and steals Um, and it's just kind of interesting i think uh to look back at this halfway point and just see like what we thought in draft season that was true you know wait on starting pitching well maybe that works maybe that doesn't uh wait on second base because i know that i was talking about this because there's a whole cluster of second basemen in you know 70 to 80 range and just pick one of those guys and so it's just it's fun to kind of look back um and and see so far how your preseason assumptions may be correct
1: or in my case often incorrect. It's also fun to see um, where some of the massive value picks are because usually yep. you know you know we we talk about how we try to predict this game and and I'll admit there's luck involved. You have to get it right and get the right guy. It's very simple. And if you get that guy that has a career year and he outperforms his draft value by X amount of rounds, it's pretty pretty obvious what's going to take place here and. Seeing some of these names, you're just like, oh, wow, that's impressive. Um, but you mentioned it, a, a lot of green on the hitters and then some red spots. You, most of the early round hitters did pretty well. outside. like, um, you know, Juan Soto yeah. hitting 231 is quite a shocker. He had an ADP of four. But really, you don't have too many complaints, at least in the top 10 or 12 there. Um, you know, you weren't expecting Vlad to steal much. But most of your top hitters are at least, I guess, performing the way we'd expect, don't you think?
2: Yeah, the only really the only red that we're looking in the in the first round to so the top fifteen hitters is the zero bags for Vlad Jr., which you signed up for when you got Vlad Jr. and Juan Soto, like you said, Baba hitting two thirty one. That's another uh, red cell in there. That's that's pretty fascinating. I don't have RBI on here, but I would imagine that's pretty good
1: high. too. Yeah, I think most of his home runs have been solo because of the yep. Nationals. So, um, the other hitters sure.
2: like early on where you've got red is your injuries. So like Ozzy Alves is red. I mean, wasn't, wasn't lighting the world on fire before the injury, but just hasn't had a chance to kind of correct for it. Lu- Luis Robert nine homers hasn't been great, but he's missed a bunch of time. So on a, on a per game basis, he's probably been fine, but yeah, it's been interesting uh, that that first round of hitters, like pretty much, no matter who you picked, you're, um, you're in really good shape. Yep, you're well, doing Bryce Harper's green, part. but not anymore.
1: Yeah, that one's a shame because he might have been Like – it'll be fun to do like auction values or something at the end of the season and see how they really jumped because he was on his way to a, a big one. So yeah. that would have been pretty cool. And then it gets interesting, guys like Buxton, you know, he's hitting only 218 with two steals with 22 homers. So it's been like good for powers, not great for most things. So that, that's that been rough. But Machado's been awesome. Jordan's been a freak. Um, Everyone talks about Aaron Judge, which I get. He's hitting 287, picked 44, 30 homers. But – you know, I guess it's 13 picks earlier, a round earlier, but Yordan at 313 with 25 homers, no steals though. But that's a pretty yep. crazy stat line, and it goes back to the conversation in the preseason of why pick Vlad when you can wait a round or two for Jordan, and uh, they're proving that would be pretty true here.
2: Absolutely, and it was surprising to me that. So I, I mean, when I talked about the Toronto rotation. At the beginning, kind of alluded to this, but surprisingly, because I don't have Vlad Junior anywhere, so like he's kind of off my radar. I just kind of assume he's a 300 hitter, and that's you know that's part of the package. But 265 for Vlad is um is is bad. I, I mean, obviously, 265 in a vacuum is is above average for batting average. But you rostered Guerrero for that like extreme batting average cushion. The the homers are there. I mean, the 19 homers. But um, 265 is is certainly not what you signed up for. And even like Bo Bichette, I took Bo Bichette fifth overall yeah. in labor. He's been okay, like 13 homers, five steals, but 257 is also not what I signed up for. And then a little bit further down the list with the red, some of it is injury related, of course, but Teoscar, um, who I've had a lot of as well, yeah. um, looking looking pretty red for that same reason. So just an interesting year in Toronto.
1: I'm glad you mentioned T. Oscar. Definitely a lot of injury early on. He's been back, of course, and I'm pulling it up because I feel like he's been hitting a little better of late, but uh do a lot of zeros in there too. So I'm hoping things turn around for him. I'll say that much because I had much higher expectations for uh, T Oscar Hernandez as well coming into the season. Um, obviously, like I said, Aaron Judge is just amazing. Chris Bryant jumped up to ADP at 53, finally hit his first home run of the season the other day. So yeah, that was an oops. One homer, um, one zero steals.
2: That that's yeah. red on the board. And and yeah. this board, if They're I'll red. I'll probably repost it uh, this Friday afternoon. Um so you can kind of if, if you're listening, you want to track along or whatever. Um, but uh but yeah, one one homer, zero steals. Hey, Chris Bryant's hitting two eighty-four.
1: Um you yeah, missed a lot great. of time too. A yep. lot of yep, empty of time too. Um it is interesting though, we saw Salvi Prez 11 homers zero steals. JTR 247 homers 11 steals which is great for a catcher but uh, you got those two early catchers even Will Smith that's pick 66 253 13 zero homers um, none of the big three catchers even Varsho, who started out great struggling it's like the four catchers that are drafted in the top 100 none of them have green except for stolen bases for JTR so I ask you in July for next season are we not drafting catchers early?
2: um that no, that's a really good question that's also I none mean none of just, them are paying off
1: none of them it, right now
2: that's true it is it, it brings up the <laughs> it brings up the bigger question of and i know we're just halfway through the season now but let's just assume yeah. for, for argument's sake it stays this way and obviously with sal perez it will stay this way how much do you react to one season like this Versus um, the overall trend, like JTR and Sal have been, you know, traditionally that's been a pretty stable value. Also, how do you? And this is what I struggle with, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit more on the pitching side. Is how do you, um, how do you balance the right plan versus the right players? Yep, so, that, I mean, that's the age-old question. Is like I was a huge component of, of waiting on starting pitching and then powering up with these bats. And so far, like kind of what we're seeing here, the early bats have uh produced, but when I waited on pitching, I got a lot of like Trevor Rogers and Charlie Morton, who is turning it around a little bit. Um, and I did not take the Alec Manoa's, the Shane mcclanahan's Um, was that the right strategy? You know, it, it ultimately goes back to the the you know nothing
1: groundbreaking here but the players that you pick. Yeah, no it's and and the the catcher thing is also kind of tongue in cheek because uh obviously a lot can change, but it's kind of like how you build your team as you're saying. So yep even the numbers JTR putting up if you built your team appropriately aren't maybe killing you they might just look red because that's the formula we're using of course but for a catcher hitting 240 with 70 homers 11 steals it's probably pretty darn good it's just what you could have got around him, like two picks later or whatever you could have got Pete Alonso hit 281 with 22 homers and two steals <laughs> so it's like that's what you're looking at that opportunity cost there but then when he went no, down and and to catch her later, it, and, that whole deal.
2: And it's a good point, too, of like, so, and I'll go back to the Bo example. Like, I drafted Bo thinking I would get really good homers, really good batting average, really good steals. Hasn't been really good, but it also hasn't been like, and I'll, I'll harken back to the Vlad thing, it hasn't been where he's hitting... 50, 60 points below where I thought and built around that. So it's hurting yep. even more. This was always my case. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but this is almost, this is always my case against kind of those one trick pony steals guys. The Mondesi is just, it's so hard to build around that you draft a Mondesi, You think you're okay. in steals every projection, every draft software, whatever is going to have your steals through the roof. Well, it's all eggs in one basket. If that's not there, it's just from an overall team build, like risk standpoint, um, that's something that doesn't get, um, I think talked
1: about enough. Exactly. hundred percent. And that's kind of like the whole, yeah. What everyone talks about this, the strategy, the, the risk reward, all that fun stuff as well. Um, one, you know, one
2: thing I will yeah. say, like, um, one thing that we got, I think, right as an industry, at least again, so far halfway through the season is stolen bases. Like, yeah. um, every, every podcast you hear stolen bases dry up early, get your bags early. Well, sorry. If you look at the red column and stolen bases starting around like pick sixty, it's Randy Reina with eighteen steals, which is shocking. I did not even did not know that. Your boy Jazz with twelve. Um, nobody has more than five steals after pick sixty-six. Uh, yeah, outside of this, after like so, round four, basically. Yep. So like so far, <laughs> that has like i as an industry we kind of that assumption i know you've got like your your john birdie and and whatever that you can pick up later if you're that lucky one person in your league Uh, that has held true so far like stolen bases really have dropped off the map um, after those first few rounds so um, we will give credit to the the larger industry for that one that that's looking like a really sharp call
1: and in in uh correlation to that we're talking about roster construction for those that took uh, stolen bases early. Maybe you didn't get the guys that have five categories or struggle a bit, a bit in power. Those guys after pick 60 or whatever, you have a lot of power guys. The you know, Austin Riley with 21 on two base are not all 16 or more. That's another double digit guy. A lot of guys in for decent average too. So it's again it's it's freaking july we're we're talking about roster construction but when you look back at adp this is why we talk roster construction in like february um Mm -hmm. you don't always have to get the five categories that you know roto labs or someone says on that first pick you need to have that by the end of the draft and you can do that but this this, another good use of this grid um and chart here is to see like you said all the red for the stolen bases look where the greens are for the average besides the early rounds there's a decent amount in the back end of the the top 100 here so there's ways to pencil it together that that you might not stand out right away for you
2: no that's a really good point i didn't really look too much at the average line but you've got you know after pick 60 you've obviously got Goldschmidt 340 which is just absurd austin riley 273 altuve arenado Abreu, jd martinez um a lot of green and and white which is kind of middle of the road and not much red for average um that's a that's a really good point that also that that cluster so one of the big things and i alluded to this before was that like that second base cluster oh, i think yeah. it was like it was in 15 teamers maybe like the fifth or sixth round there was just this massive run of second baseman and then nothing after that so again just looking back it was like javi bias complete bust yep. Jazz chisholm um Has been, has been, I would say as advertised, missed some time, but like that's, I would say that's a win compared to some of these other guys. Uh, Brandon Lau, obviously, uh, yeah, a lot of red there. Jorge Polanco hitting 244 with 12 homers. Uh, Jonathan India, that has been a complete disaster. I know injury related and probably playing hurt when Jonathan India uh, was healthy but hitting 204, two homers, one steal. And then the last guy in that in that group, and this is the funny part with ADP and get your guy. Uh, if you believed in Jose Altuve, which the market was relative to these other second basemen, um, off, he's been the guy of that group that has really uh, that has really popped with 278, 16 homers and six steals. So it's just funny to look back like we could have talked in March and April And it was almost just, I'll just take any of those second basemen that are around. They're all about the same. Um, That's not the case. It's just interesting to see uh, even three months later, like how far apart and how different your season might look if you took Brandon Lau versus Jose Altuve.
1: And it's also fun because um, the old conversation of just take the boring guys and it, it so pans out, like one of the best players in baseball here is Paul Goldschmidt, pick 66. And that was coming off a really good season last year. That people are like, ah, it's just it's Paul Goldschmidt. He's been great. Altuve is a great example. That's why he was going behind all those other guys. It's like ah, oh, he's boring. He doesn't steal anymore. He got six steals. He might get you ten plus steals, which would be mm-hmm. such icing on the cake for what you yep. expect. You were thinking maybe five or six for the season. Yep. Um, so that's amazing. Uh, Arenado's doing his thing. A Braves. you'd want more power, but still doing his thing like. A lot of these really boring guys are producing very, very well. I bet you if it we went even deeper in ADP, it'd be quite surprising how team boring, and that's why this is a joke that I know he'll laugh at so I can say it. This is why Scott Genstead doing so well. He loves playing team boring, and it's working for him very well this season. Um, obviously, you got to avoid injuries. That's big, but uh, there's something to the pedigrees, man, and they're they're producing pretty, pretty well, so it's fun to see it all play out. Any other thoughts on the hitters here? Because I'm going to pull an audible, Ryan, which will make things easy for next week. We'll do pitching next week. That works.
2: That way we, don't um, to ru-
1: that way we don't have to rush through it. We can actually spend time on it.
2: Yeah, that works. That's that's perfect. Um, actually, so one last – I think that covers most of them. Actually, one, uh, one other name who was super polarizing has played most of the first half, Wander Franco. Just interesting to look back yeah. and see. Uh, that 260 batting average, five homers, five steals. I know there was some missed time there. Um, that that certainly is interesting. And again, Franco could absolutely turn it on the second half and, and blow this away. Um, Marcus Simeon is someone who, who popped to me. I thought he would just be, and this is, this is the trap that I fall into is you look at April and yep. Marcus Simeon was absolutely terrible in April. And you just kind of... I don't have Marcus Simeon on many teams. You kind of that—that's your perception of how Marcus Simeon is doing this year. Marcus Simeon in June hit 287 with yep. seven homers and six steals. Like he actually isn't really that red on this sheet. Where if I ran these numbers uh, six weeks ago,
1: that would be a yeah, bright red, disaster. dark red.
2: Yeah. yeah. So,
1: well, like, um, not even a top 100 pick. But I to Like, this is why this is an exercise I'd be willing to do for like the next hundred too. But I'm a weirdo like that. Like I just love to see like where Kyle Schwarber ranks out on this things like that because he's just his month of June is insanity. But that's a whole other time for a whole other situation. What would be fun is to keep this sheet and then compare back to it in October because to see because then it could justify because Simeon's already a perfect example of just what one month can do. But baseball is such a long season. We always preach patience. Um, Or even just do like a month to month like one of those flip books as a kid. Like guys that struggled earlier, like oh, I should cut this guy, I should whatever, and then all of a sudden it gets greener, greener, greener. It's like oh, look at he was what we thought he was. Like it's one of those little things. It's a, it, patience is hard. I get it, but uh, very important for the game of fantasy baseball. So uh, we, this we is a could, good. We, could, good we chart. could do
2: a live, the live for the for the for the watchers for the the live streamers. We, we could do our little flip books for each position as we go on the, on the camera see what happens. See what, yeah, see be, what red
1: turns to green. But. It'd be kind of fun. I like it, Cause I think there'd be more than people would think like, mm-hmm. it like S- means a great example just like, this is what we're at. But uh, then a couple of listener questions that we'll hit up on before we head on out of here. Um, John Dobas, I'm probably I apologize if I mispronounced that. He's always active in our, our, our questions and our, our listening. Uh, Orlando Garcia on the Braves, really struggling. Time to look elsewhere in dynasty leagues. Um, I, we were high on him, at least a chance on him getting a chance. I have so far cut him pretty much everywhere I have had him. What do you think? Yep. This is dynasty question. It's a little different, but I th- I think you can move on probably.
2: Dynasty, I think you can move on. And I think, and I know we we kind of I don't know if hyped is the right word, but we we recommended Arcia as a fill-in just from the Al- Albies injury. And, you know, it's hard. Like, I mean, Arcia is at least he's still playing every day and he started out really hot. And so you want to kind of just jump on those guys. I mean, he didn't cost you too much in fab, um, but yeah, the results have not been there since he's gotten the the regular run. And so I would be looking um already have been looking like you said Bubba, kind of cutting him like that 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 makes sense i mean one for 15 last week hitting 212 over the last month so um yep rc and if he gets hot again you could scoop him back up the following week it's not someone who i'm tied to especially especially in dynasty i i i don't know how how often he would get this opportunity or this audition
1: again in uh Definitely. in next year or the year after most definitely, Robbie Lester asks. Speaking of regrets, Stephen Mats, what do you see rest of season? Yeah, that has been a very regretful one there. Like, I i don't even know when he's coming back from his injury, so I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, that. Well, that's that's the problem. Is it's just such an unknown um, with a shoulder injury. I guess he's on. I guess he's pretty far deep into his rehab. Uh, pitching. Let's see his third start in Triple A.
1: Maybe all star break.
2: So maybe he, uh, maybe he is one of those kind of all star break guys. Matt's was one of the guys where, like, I mean, if I mean, the shoulder kind of clouds everything up, and this was a legitimate shoulder injury. It's not one of those all star break rests that we were talking about earlier, but like, I mean, Matt's did have a so a six ERA, but a 299 XFIP. Like, the ERA indicators look really good for Matt's. He's he's missing bats 11%. Swinging strike rate, um, not keeping on the ground, which hurts. So um, I think it just all depends on on how that shoulder holds up. But from an actual skill standpoint, like a 22% K minus walk rate is is one of the best out there. So um, I'm not I'm not expecting him to fully break out or anything in the second half. But if that shoulder holds up, I think there's absolutely the chance that he is more of like a I don't know four ERA guy in the second half which isn't That's great right. but that that works uh, yep. that gets Very you out of man. streaming so anything uh, that th- gets you out of streaming is is a good thing
1: let me throw this at you real quick uh if assuming match comes back and the shoulder's okay steven matt's or jacob junis
2: um i would go junis i think junis is just a little safer gotcha
1: Uh, Ben 10 just has a statement he says not sure if you need to mention this on the pod but there's a lot of red for hitters ADP 54 to 100 which you agreed Mm -hmm. to on Twitter and we definitely talked about on the show yep and Uh, it's
2: funny like well and yeah so we'll talk about pitchers next week but um, a lot of pitchers around that that
1: range there's a lot of green so um, if you pick the right ones Nate Curtis asked middle infielders, like he's talking about the chart, like Jonathan India and Beau Bichette Those are definite ones we hit on both. India, I even have India bench this week with we three Great American Small Park games. Yeah. It hurts. It really hurts. Like it was very like part of me almost said, No, it's Jonathan India. But I'm like, it's Jonathan India right now. Like I'm so I'm expecting a massive weekend for anybody that's keeping track. Um, and just
2: and just one thing on that, like um I know I gotta run in a couple minutes, but like we talked so much about in the preseason how first base is shallow and it's just an absolute given that middle infield is deep. We don't really know if that's the yeah. case. And you're seeing that this year, like there have been like Anthony Rizzo has the first baseman are
1: producing in a big way.
2: First base Crone, is actually Hoss yeah, is like... exactly. <laughs> like CJ Crone is is an absolute monster. Like Josh top Bell has been base. hitting, like yeah, first base. If if we and everyone said first base was shallow, get your first baseman or wait. Um that that has not been the case and most years that that's true, not just first base specifically, but what you think is a deeper shallow position during the season or before the season um, is not
1: always the case. I think one thing we should probably clarify in the future, shallow might mean more like shallow once guys get hurt, the depth in that regard. But to start the season, it's probably not that bad. Um Brandon W., is the birdie ride coming to an end? Is Wendell sneakily going to have more value rest of the season? Is it sacrilegious to even ask this? I was worried, but he's let off the last couple of games again. So I think we're still good. When Jazz comes back, that's the telling point.
2: It's funny. It's it's not sacrilegious. It's funny, the timing of this. So Ray Murphy uh, put out a Playing Time Tomorrow column uh, on Friday at HQ. The title of the column uh, is Bye Bye Birdie. And so Ray just kind of... Ray just kind of, I mean, it's it's speculative, but Ray yeah. basically came to that conclusion that once everyone, and again, not a given, but I shouldn't say once, if everyone comes back and is healthy at the same time in Miami, John Birdie doesn't really have a spot. I know he's played a little bit of outfield, but John Birdie's probably a three to four game a week guy if everyone is all healthy at the same time. Now, what are the chances of that happening? Uh, probably pretty low. That's why birdie is where he is in the first place. Um, and even still, if depending on how badly you need stolen bases, maybe you still play John birdie three or four times a week. Cause he'll still get you five or six steals. So um,
1: definitely. It, yeah. Last one for you. I don't we'll get you out of here. Little book of calm over under 70 innings, pitched rest of season for Spencer Strider.
2: Really good thought. Um, I'm going to say under, I just given given the history, given the the transition from rotate, uh, from bullpen to rotation, like the volume has not been there for Spencer Strider drafted in 2020. So we don't know what he did in, in 2020, in 2021, he had like, uh, just under a hundred innings and he's already at 65 this season. Um, so they're going to treat him with kid gloves as they should. I mean, it's an amazing story, but 70 innings, I'll take the under
1: and then buy or sell top 15 starting pitcher next year. I'd say under or sell, but
2: I'd say, yeah, I always don't know how to answer, uh, above, below, whatever. Yeah. I think he'd be out to, outside the top 15. Just That's right. Yeah. I, I would, I would wager basically any pitcher to be outside the top 15 next season, just because of injuries. And especially like with Strider's lack of volume and just youth, um, Certainly would love to see him. He's, he's fun as heck to watch, uh, but I'll play it safe. I'll stay outside top 15.
1: Shout out to Joe Matt in the chat. Thanks for the kind words. Wanted to bring that up before we sure. head on out of here. But uh, Ryan, as always, great episode. I'll get you out of here. We'll do it again next week. We'll talk pitching. Be a ton of fun. But uh, yeah, thanks again, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. You do the same. Baseball in a couple hours. Let's do this. Yeah. Check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. I'm at BDN And This was another episode of Bub and the Bloom. Catch you guys later. Rue Baker.